The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Welcome to the Ask Harry Podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast where we interview experts on all aspects of estate planning. On this episode of Ask Harry, Harry talks with his colleague, Laura Goodman, an associate at Margolis and Bloom, on the subject of probate avoidance. Hi, Laura. Hi, Harry. So uh, we're going to talk about probate avoidance today. And so my first question is, why does anyone care about it? Why does everybody seem to want to avoid probate? So probate occurs when someone passes away and they have assets that are in their name and they and no one is designated as someone with authority to access those assets. So it's a legal process with the probate court. And I think the primary reason people want to avoid it is because it takes time. It often takes at least a, a minimum of a couple months to get through probate. And that's what's a fairly simple estate. And it also costs money. So there's the filing fees with the probate court, which can be a few hundred dollars. And then in most cases, you're hiring a law firm, which could be several thousand dollars. So it's an added expense for the estate. They can tie up assets for a long time and it can just provide some complications that families don't want to deal with when they're already dealing with losing a family member. And, and it also makes everything public. If it, Maybe most people, maybe a lot of people don't care about that, but everything gets basically written down and reported at the probate court. That's true. That's true. And one other thing I should mention is that if a person was receiving either nursing home benefits or was on mass health while they were living, their estates may be subject to something called state recovery, which is basically the Commonwealth can claw back the money from the estate based on um, the amount of benefits that it paid out for the person. And so if you have a probated estate, money in your estate could be subject to that estate recovery, whereas if you're avoiding probate, there is no estate recovery claim. Good. So, so how do you avoid it? There are a few things you can do. One easy way to avoid probate is to have a joint owner listed on your account. So if husband and wife jointly own a bank account, husband passes away, the wife automatically owns the full account. There's no need to probate that, that asset. Another easy way to avoid probate is to designate a beneficiary. So if you have a retirement account, if you have a life insurance policy and you have designated a um, spouse or a family member or whoever you want to receive that account when you pass away, that also just goes directly to the beneficiary and avoids probate. It is important to check your beneficiary designations and and make sure you have designated someone and also that the people you designated are still alive because sometimes unintentionally you could have forgotten to update your beneficiary designation and then that becomes something that has to go through probate. There are certain types of real estate transactions. So if you have a piece of real estate and you decide to deed what's called a remainder interest in the real estate to your children, for example, that's often referred to as a life estate deed. That's the type of real estate interest that avoids probate. And finally, something that we deal a lot with is creating a trust. If you establish a trust during your life, and the key part is that if you transfer assets into the trust while you're living, those trust assets are also going to avoid the probate process. So I guess one question is why you need a trust if you can avoid probate simply by having joint accounts or uh, mm-hmm. having a beneficiary designations. Why not just do that and avoid the trouble of a trust? 
In some cases, that might make sense. In other cases, so one, there, there can be more than one reason for a trust. It's not necessarily just to avoid probate. So a trust can be used for estate tax planning. In Massachusetts, we have a fairly low state tax threshold. So if you have um, more than a million dollars in your estate when you pass away, you have a taxable estate and yeah, you, know, you may have a, a state tax due. Married couples are able to use trust to reduce, sometimes even eliminate the Massachusetts estate tax due. And so there may be a benefit to creating and funding trust for that type of planning. Another benefit is if you have assets that are held in a trust and you were to become incapacitated, you can designate a successor trustee who would be able to manage those assets for you. And it can provide some, some it can make it easier for others to help you administer your affairs while you're living, but, you know, maybe getting older or, or ill or for some other reason, you can't handle your own affairs. And I've seen situations where people try to avoid probate and having joint accounts with each of their children, and, it, and it's never possible to make it all equal. So mm-hmm. one account may grow in value, the other may fall in value or be used for expenses. And, and you have a, a series, they, they could put everybody's name on the accounts, but then you might have four or five names on an account, which can be a little cumbersome. And so, so a trust is, it makes it a lot easier because you just say, well, when I die, it gets divided four ways if you have four children without having right. to worry about trying to keep all these accounts equal. Right, exactly. And, and the other issue, of course, is with joint accounts. This isn't true with beneficiary designations, but with joint accounts, the other person is actually an owner of the account. Mm-hmm. So if uh, they decide they, they need the money or if they just run into financial trouble and they get sued or they get divorced, your assets can be at risk, right? which isn't true with the trust. So, so if you have a trust or if you have everything in joint accounts with beneficiary designations, then you don't need a, a will, right? Well, ideally, I, I, ideally, you would not need a will in that situation. Ideally, there would be no probate, but occasionally there is still a need for even a small probate, even if you have done all the work and funding trusts and otherwise avoiding probate. So what we often recommend is something called a pour over will. So this is a will that basically says when you pass away, any assets that are in your name are going to pour into your trust that you created. And the goal there is to consolidate everything, get it all into the trust so that the trustee can distribute it according to the trust term. So it's just, it's basically a way to simplify the estate if some type of probate is necessary. You know, I think one thing that we have seen, unfortunately, is that people may create a trust during their life and think that they have a great plan and then they, you know, are making everything very easy for their family. And then they forget to do that next step of actually funding the trust without realizing that if you don't actually put the trust and those assets are still in your name, you're going to have to go through the probate process, which is could be unintended. So we actually did have one case a few years ago where a person was not a lawyer, but he kind of took it upon himself to learn trust law and he crafted this um, trust, which is actually very well written, but he never took the step of actually transferring his house, which was in a Boston suburb and very valuable and some other assets into the trust. And he also didn't do a will because he thought he wouldn't need it because he had this great trust. So then when he did eventually pass away, he had this beautiful trust and it absolutely did nothing because there was no assets to, to distribute out of it. And so there actually was a pretty complicated probate for that estate. He had, uh, you know, a different, not, not a 
traditional family situation. So that there was a lot of, you know, months and months of lawyer fees and work to try to untangle that mess. So it sounds like it's great to have a trust, uh, both to avoid uh, pro- probate and to accomplish some of the other goals you discussed. And But for it to work, it, it's best if it's funded and, and to have a will, uh, just in case there's something you missed, make sure that gets into the trust as well. And also to appoint a, a personal representative or executor to manage things. But are there situations where you would actually prefer to have a probate administration? There could be. Yes, there's actually a type of will that you can create, what we call a will with a testamentary trust. And so under our Medicaid rules, this kind of gets into long-term care planning. Under our state Medicaid rules, um, and Medicaid is you know, the public payer for nursing home benefits, you can leave assets to a spouse in a trust that's created under your will. Not just any trust, it has to be a trust testamentary trust, which is created under your will. And if those assets in that testamentary trust are not going to be counted against the surviving spouse if they have to go on nursing home benefits in the future. So obviously, in order to create that trust and fund that testamentary trust, assets would have to go through a probate process. So that is an example of where you would intentionally plan to include a probate in that person's estate plan. And I understand that there are some probate processes that are simpler than others, like there's Mm -hmm. voluntary or informal and formal. Could you kind of describe the differences to some extent? Sure. So a voluntary administration is a, it's not really a full probate. It's it's a probate proceeding for a small estate. So if you have just $25,000 or less in your probate estate and, and, your probate estate is not all of your assets. It's just the assets that are in your name individually and don't have a beneficiary designated. So if you have a you know, couple checking accounts or you know, some investment account that's only in your name, then that's part of your probate estate. So if those, all those assets are less than $25,000, not including the value of a car, you can have a car of any value, then you can do a voluntary administration. There's um, no notice requirements. Um, really, except for providing notice to a state agency. You file it with the probate court. If there's a will, you file the will as well, and the court basically stamps it, and, and that's it. So that's a very simple process. An informal probate is kind of the, the next level, and that's for fairly simple estates where you don't think it's going to be contested. You don't have any you know beneficiaries who are going to be filing objections. You can do it whether you have a will or you don't have a will. It still takes some time. It, it will still take probably a couple months lately kind of with, with COVID staffing restrictions in the probate courts right now. It's taking much longer than usual to, to file an informal probate. But generally speaking, you know, maybe two to three months is, is a reasonable amount of time. And then there's a formal probate which isn't too different from an informal probate. There's some more notice requirements. You have to, there's some, the court issues what's called a citation, which has to be served on parties, and you have to publish it in a newspaper before it's allowed, and there's some other administrative requirements. That, and sounds, that sounds more like the traditional probate that, that given my years of, of practicing, I'm more used to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, even if you file an informal probate, if things get kind of thorny, you may have to convert that into a formal probate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really the, the full process. Well, it's good to know that, that with my Maserati, if I keep everything else in trust mm-hmm. or with beneficiary designations, I can still do a, a, a voluntary probate. That's correct. Yeah, of course, I won't true. be there. So it's actually my heirs <laughs> who will do the voluntary probate at that yeah, point. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. Some people just don't care about probate and avoiding probate because they're not the ones who are going to have to deal with it. Right. Very good. Well, thank you very much, uh, Laura. I think this is a, a good introduction to, as we discussed, both avoiding probate and what probate actually involves. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes. If you're interested in Harry's book, Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning, please visit margolis.com. That's M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S.com. Ask Harry is a production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network.